The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. It's time for the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. Joining us to talk the trade today is Jeff Peterson of Heartland Farm Partners, Lincoln, Nebraska. Jeff, thank you for joining us today. And I'm happy to be on the Final Bell because we have our grains once again in the green. And for soybeans, it's the fourth day, a fourth higher close that we've seen four days in a row. Great to see. So let's start there. And, and what are you seeing here in the soybean trade today? As we take a look at soybeans, the thing that, that has been good there is that the fact that we haven't seen any negative news come out of the administration uh, in regard to trade. A few other things that we're keeping an eye on on the soybean side is that export sales today were good for soybeans, and we'll talk more about that later on in the show. The other item that I'd say that we're watching is that yesterday uh, we actually noticed on the the export inspections report as they are coming out, uh, we took a look and we noticed that they're showing that actually a couple cargoes did get sent out to China, uh, one to China mainland and also one to Taiwan. So that would actually end up being the third cargo that's shipped to China since the tariff's been in place. So we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the implications of that later in the show. And when we look at soybeans as a whole, Jeff, there's a lot of outside market fundamentals that can affect any market. But right now with the trade rifts we see going on, we've seen big moves today, specifically in the U.S. dollar index as well as the Chinese currency. And one hitting a 2018 high, that's the U.S. dollar index, hitting a 2018 low is the Chinese yuan. How does that play into soybeans and kind of the overall supply-demand type factors in looking at that? Well, I think it plays right into China's hand, and and if they could actually dial something in, that's exactly what they would want. They would want to see their currency cheaper, so it makes it cheaper for them to buy from us if they do end up buying from us down the road, which they will with a tariff in place, or if they are buying from uh, Brazil, they'll be able to come in and buy cheaper there. Also, for the tariffs that we're putting on any of their products that ultimately are coming into the U.S., it also cheapens those up. So I think it's exactly what they're looking for and exactly what they want. Jeff, this question coming in from a listener here looking at it, they want to know what's your thoughts on has the bean market possibly put in a low? You know, I think, um, and, and I'm going to put a big asterisk on this, okay, Clay, and it is if we do not see anything additional come out on tariffs, I think the bean market has put in a low. All right, so going forward there, again, that big asterisk kind of looking at it, if maybe things are a little bit more volatile as we see going forward, and especially trade news, which really seems to get this market moving, what is more of our risk to the downside? Yeah, I think more of our risk to the downside, if we're just thinking about in terms of commodities, we'd have still have a little bit more risk here yet over on the soybean side than we would over on the corn side. And And if we do see some additional tariffs come out, we will still see some lower prices yet. So that's that's the, the downside of this whole thing. There's a lot of positives, but we have to respect the, the whole tariff talk and everything that goes along with it. And, Jeff, you brought up the next one thing I want to talk about. That is corn. This has kind of been, you know, early in the spring, We there was one somebody that called it the silent bull because it just kind of kept slowly marching higher. We have saw some dip, sharp sell-offs and stuff. What are you seeing there? Are we possibly looking at a bottom there in the corn market as well? Yeah, as long as we don't see those additional tariffs, and I feel like a broken record on that, I think we are. There's there's a lot of positives that we're seeing on the corn market. If we dig in and take a look at that, 
technically, I think we're at an oversold point here. Many of our technical indicators that we watch, whether they are momentum-driven or you know, moving average-driven or showing some buy signals in here, fundamentally with the report that we got last week out of WASD, from a fundamental perspective, we're underpriced. I think there's a lot of end users, whether it be ethanol plants or feedlots, that are wanting to buy this market, but they've been patient. And I think the what that gives us at some point, they will step in and buy. And really, the other side of that becomes who will be the sellers. Well, nobody really is too interested to sell down here, so that gives us some area which we can bounce. If we just look at corn from a value perspective, or the cheapest grain really coming out of the U.S. In the, in the world. If we compare to our big competitor, Brazil, last year at this time they were priced between 10 and 15 cents a bushel above us, and now we're currently 18 cents below them, so we're sitting there very competitively priced against Brazil. And there's a big question mark on yield at this point. There's two years that are getting a lot of discussion out there. There's the 2010 year and the 1987 year, both of those are years in which we progress very quickly on the silking side. We're setting here, you know, the third fastest silking uh, going all the way back to 1986 is where we're at right now. 2010 was a little bit quicker. Those two years, 2010 was 5.1% below trend. 1987 was 5% above trend. The only real difference between those two years would have been the temperatures that we ended up seeing and in more particularly the nighttime temps that happened. In addition, if it even takes anything more than that, Clay, we also are still looking for a little bit lower numbers on corn production out of the EU and the Black Sea. So there's a lot of positives stacking up on this corn market. Jeff, as you take a look, you're talking about uh, back to some harking older charts. When you look at the charts for the year 2010 as well, when you see that, are we seeing some rather similar dips and dives to the market as well, or is this year's market still deviating from when we've had similar type growing conditions? I think we'd have to say we're deviating just a little bit, and the reason I'd say we are deviating a little bit from where we've had these past growing conditions, we wouldn't be down at these prices if it wasn't for these tariffs. So that's really kind of thrown a curveball at everything that we've actually experienced going back to the past. But that's also the reason that we really like this corn market longer term down the road if we have enough time is because we're just continuing at these cheaper prices. We're continuing to stoke and build additional demand for corn, and and we like the way that uh, the potential that looks going forward. We're talking with Jeff Peterson of Heartland Farm Partners in Lincoln, Nebraska, today on the Fontenelle Final Bell. Right now we focus a lot here on just some of the fundamentals behind the corn and soybean trade, but we still have weather as well as what producers can do on their marketing options. This is the Rural Radio Network and the Fontenelle Final Bell. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. Jeff Peterson, Heartland Farm Partners, based in Lincoln, Nebraska, is our analyst on today. And, Jeff, in our last segment, we talked about corn and soybeans, some of the market fundamentals behind it. Let's talk about growing fundamentals, though, and the weather patterns we're seeing right now. You touched a little bit on corn silking in our first statement, but I think we can dive into that a little bit deeper, especially as fast as as this crop has silked. It really has, and that's something we're watching very close, and it has, you know, big impact or ramifications for yield. This is the third fastest silking on record so far, and the only year that would be faster than that would be 2010 and 2012. 
But what's interesting, when we compare it to 2010, because they're only within a couple percent of each other, we're at the same point on the silking, but this 2018 crop was planted two and a half weeks later on average. So we have just pushed this crop along hard. Now, we don't think that's caused us a lot of problems as it relates to the yield yet, but if we would continue to push this crop, it would cause us some problems because we just wouldn't pack on the test weight that's needed. And there's also a study that uh, Karen Brown ended up doing with Reuters, and I think it was really good. And what it touched on is the impact of some overnight temps. And so when we look at the July and August temperatures in the corn-producing areas within the U.S., and we look at in relation to what the average temp is, her research would show that we have not had a year where we have been above trend on the yield. If our overnight temp has been greater than 1.8 degrees Fahrenheit above the average, and that really makes you sit, sit back and think, and, and why is that happening? Well, it's because that plant needs a chance to rest. So where are we at so far? So if we look at from the beginning of July until where we're at right now, the overnight temp average is running about 2.4 degrees Fahrenheit above the average. So so right now we're on pace to come in above that 1.8. Now we got a lot of time left here yet, and it actually looks like the latter part of July here, and we're feeling some of these cool downs now, but the importance that I want to bring up here is we really have to watch those overnight temps the rest of July on into August. Jeff, the GFS model that came out at the midday today showed uh, taking some rain away from some some parts of the Corn Belt. Do you think there may be some problem areas that we need to be watching closely as we continue to move forward with this weather outlook? Yeah, there, there sure is, and, and those are the areas that get a chance as we get this discussion about is this going to be above-trend crop or below-trend crop. There's definitely some problems area. I really feel for a lot of the people in Kansas and Missouri, those are a couple areas that are getting hit really hard with temperatures and also lack of precip. I think there's also an area uh, right along the, uh, the Mississippi River, the western Illinois, Northern Indiana's got a few pockets that border right up against Michigan. And then we also do have to keep an eye on south-central Iowa and also southeast Iowa. And there are some pockets in south-central Nebraska that we do need to keep an eye on also. But those are kind of on our watch list right now. And if those areas would get well watered the rest of the season, you know, then we'd have to continue to bring our, our yield expectations up. But we've, we've got a little while yet until this crop's in the bend. Let's go ahead and kind of switch gears now to more of a marketing perspective for producers on the farm. If they haven't really sold a whole lot of this new crop corn or soybean, what are some of your thoughts here? Is this kind of a sit and wait period or is this uh, maybe looking at some uh, strategies? Yeah, I think what we have to do is we have to sit back and this is a great time to do a little bit of planning. If they've still got some old crop around yet, the first thing you do and assess and say, is it possible for me to keep it in good condition and hold it in my bins. I've got enough bin space. If you're able to do that, that's what I would do. We'll see better prices down the road. If you're not able to do that, and maybe you've been fortunate and you sold enough new crop bushels that you don't uh, have to worry about all the bushels you're going to take in at harvest time, or if you don't have to take any in, you always could apply against a new crop contract. That's a possibility. Basis has been really good. And if that still doesn't work for you, then I think we have to look at you know, a basis contract. We can move the bushels, get them out of the bin, go ahead and apply them to a basis contract. We would want to be able to have the ability to get that basis contract out against, I'd say, something out into the March or May of next year, and probably preferably May or July. So you'll have to work with your buyer to see if you could roll those out. 
and something along those same lines as that basis contract, some locations have a deferred pricing, not a delayed pricing, but a deferred pricing, which would let you move the bushels, get the basis set, and still be able to establish a price on that later down the road. And the last alternative, if you're comfortable using the futures market, go ahead and sell cash and buy back the futures. So there we have it, our strategy looking forward, if maybe you're a little bit short on your new crop or a little bit light on there as well. So overall, going forward in a general trend line for the grains, are we still heavily impeded by trade, or do we have some potential to see a little bit of bull enter the market? I think um, I think the trade impact that we currently have in front of us right now has kind of ran its course. I do think we've got the ability to see a bounce and see some higher prices, but if we have additional things come out in trade, it can go ahead and pull us back. So that's why we have to watch this tariff talk, talk so close for additional items that come down the road. Jeff Peterson, Heartland Farm Partners, Lincoln, Nebraska. This is the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.